0: Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me
1: shelter, I will not harm you. I would shelter
2: you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone, anytime.
0: Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders and this has caused a significant amount of conflict.
3: There are a lot of people
4: who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away.
3: What we're seeing
5: is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees.
6: I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to.
5: Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very
2: important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee,
1: refugee, refugee,
3: refugee.
6: Refugee Radio, 8.55am, Tricia.
3: We want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land who we are broadcasting from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and respect the Elders past, present and emerging and their ongoing struggle. Welcome to Refugee Radio this week on 3CR 855am or 3cr.org.au. Firstly, we want to start with the great news of a whole bunch of refugees being released from hotel Jail detention, and also mitre uh in Melbourne, Nam, so we're gonna just hear a quick recording from one refugee Ramsey, explaining uh, his happiness of being released.
7: Immigration told me you are released tomorrow really <laughs> that time really feel very we have looked like flying, you know very very happy and really very excited uh, after we are eight years we have we cut release for community really um, very very excited and i can't I can't believe that I can't believe <laughs> this is a real all is fake really really unbelievable um, we are released today really <laughs> so happy, so happy.
3: Listening to 3CR Community Radio.
6: 855
3: AM. So, we just heard a recording from Ramsey, who was released from detention after more than eight years. So, we'll be covering some interviews and stories in the future. Uh, with a bunch of refugees who have been released from the hotel detention. And again, we're extremely, extremely happy that they've finally been released and there's a whole bunch of lawyers and advocates who probably never going to be named and be made aware of who have been supporting this group of people for such a long time. So... want to say thanks to them and also the resilience of everybody who's been locked up for such a time. Now for the rest of the program this week, we are going to be hearing some recordings around climate refugees and considering that it's Invasion Day next week, it's good timing. So we're going to be listening to some recordings from Torres Strait and, of course, they are a group, or a community, who are going to be displaced in the near future due to climate change. And this already happened for the people who were on Tagua Island of the Torres Strait in 2005. And they were the first declared climate change refugees. So this isn't new, obviously. And also the Torres Strait community have taken their claims to the UN around the breaches of human rights. So that is likely to be going ahead in the near future, even though the supposed uh, Australian state government is trying to get that ignored. So we're going to be listening to a recording now from the Torres Strait community. And this is from our island, our home. This is talking about Torres Straits, climate change, and the impacts it's going to have.
5: We,
4: as a Torres Strait Islanders, is living in the part of Australia, north of Australia.
8: All Torres Strait Islanders are similar, but each island has a unique culture of its own.
7: We have a very strong tie to this land. This is my home. This is our home.
6: This is their home. This is my home now. This is my home.
7: We love our island home.
4: This erosion is
7: happening so fast, there won't be us left.
0: That's another sign of the erosion, washing the trees up.
6: The sea level is rising. Our island
0: is being washed away. What you see
6: here, this is what we've got. We've got nothing else to go nowhere else to go. This is our home.
7: The way I see it here, that something has to be done. The government should be accountable
9: for this part of the world.
2: For the community to move down south, it's gonna disconnect them from their culture, their lifestyle.
0: I'm asking for help around the world so that our island will be saved.
5: Friday, Fort, radio, Yeah, join me at eleven every Friday for some black and deadly sound, please. community radio eight fifty-five on on the, the But Robbie Fort
3: you're on Refugee Radio and we're going to continue listening to stories of climate change and how that's going to create the displacement of persons on Torres Strait and create more climate refugees. We're going to be listening to some recordings which were from The Guardian. So we're going to be listening to two of those.
6: When the tides come up, people in the communities that are affected, they have to take things away, shift to higher ground and yeah, try and protect their property, but it's sometimes it's a futile effort. It's the same thing that uh, the people in the out- throughout Australia does during the wet season when the floods come through. And we sort of know what they're going through every time the floods come through, because it happens up here to our people every year without fail. Um, we don't get a flood every year in mainland australia but unfortunately it's a way of life up here for us to get um, rising seas for years now we know that the councils have tried to lobby government to find ways of actually doing something to help in the meantime you know these people living on these communities they're suffering uh, from this type of trauma every year it's a it's a holistic um affect on our way of life. It, it will in a way start to affect our culture as well because we live in seasons and seasons are a cultural thing as well.
0: Every year we're always concerned what will this wet season bring? So with my work I travel extensively to some of the other communities that are largely affected by, by I guess, the effects of climate change. And um, I see the Concerns that they have because they live in small, uh, low-lying communities. Like I can only speak from my own experience, that uh, feeling as though you're not in control. Feeling as though that you know the places that we say the places you enjoy or have some um, cultural importance to you uh, will no longer be there for you to enjoy or your family to enjoy. There are already talks about uh, relocation. And that's a really tough question to ask people because of your connection to your home community. You want to at least be able to grow your children up there and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren and so forth. So it will be uh, very challenging for those people to, to even think that they will not no longer have that connection in the long term.
6: We can only hope that a solution will be found or a compromise made or or something will be discovered to stop the ever rising tides, um, to stop the, the, the effects of climate change. If we didn't have hope, then we may as well just all pack up and, and just die or, or move away. But no, we love our communities. They're the lands of our ancestors. They're the lands that these children have grown up on. So they will, in the future, look for some ways to, to keep what's been theirs for a very long time.
4: Growing up, it's really good growing up on Saibai. We always loved the sea sea growing up. You know the tide coming in now? In the holidays, in the weekends, we'd start swimming. And we'd do that all day till one or two o'clock. That's a part of our inner being that misses it, that cries out, the inaudible cry is missing that that lovely tides back in the 80s and that. So we're gonna miss that, because now these tides are just so force- forcing, they just so overwhelming. They got no sort of control. They come up, destroy and go back.
7: It's very um, evident uh, over the years. And the beach was down about 40 meters. Now there's no, actually no beach at, beach at all. It's been eroded, the monsoons, uh, usually it flows from uh, sometime early, early December or late December to uh, before April. But now the monsoons only flows for about a couple of months from January and February, and there's south east trade wind always blowing, which is a prevailing wind in between. Which is which is really, really, um, you know, really funny.
8: We don't know what's happened, What's going to happen on? Uh... December and uh, January, before time, when Wesley went, you know, water sports, very
9: rough. That's why he rose and took place here. People are now realizing that the global warming and the water is rising and cyber is low.
4: Our feelings are connected to uh, the salt water because we spend so much time there. And for my kids growing up there, I don't think they'll be doing that because of the seawall. In my time, it, w- it was just like a nice drop off down to the salt water coming in. And with their time, it's like a big barrier.
7: Sometimes I sit, you know, when I'm sitting, you know, just thinking, say, 20 to 50 years, it'll be, you know, all this place will be underwater. The way it's going. Yeah.
9: Some people are, even though they realize that it's global warming that causes the water to rise, they don't. I think they're so much in love with the place they don't want to leave.
8: I say I will never move from this island. List. Just pull down. I will jump on my boat, tie that rope on a wangai tree. I will live here. I will die here.
3: Soon Refugee Radio, and we were listening to some recordings from the Torres Strait produced by The Guardian, and that was around the climate change, the soon displacement of people from Torres Strait, the rising sea levels, and whatnot. So this is, of course, an ongoing struggle for that community, and has been for quite some years, which has been ignored by the state. And we're going to be listening to a recording of climate stories of different groups around the world who are facing displacement due to climate change. This also includes Montoro Strait activist, Kabe Tamu, so we'll have a listen to that.
7: It is said
1: that if you want to be heard, you tell a story.
9: Ogone is uh, 404 square miles, and has one of the highest population density in the world. And that is the same location that we have 96 oil wells, with gas flaring taking place 24 hours of the day for over 35 years. That gas flaring was leading to the warming of the Ogone environment. Of course, Sher dismissed it, but we noticed uh, incidences of floods, which was of course not known to the environment. People have lost their homes, lost their means of livelihood. they can no longer go to fish, they can no longer go to farm. People even die in the course of moving from one location
1: to the other. In this climate crisis, what are the duties of states? States, in Roman law, bonus pater familias, good father of the family of humankind and of life itself. So we want to ask them a question. What are your duties to present and future generations?
9: So, we all know this for a fact, and you know, Fiji continues to face such devastation.
5: Being in spaces like this, where you can talk about these experiences with other people that are doing similar things, would make you understand that you're not alone and that there are other people in the fight with you.
2: I'm indigenous person. Uh, from Siberia, Russia. Uh, My people call themselves forest people. The main reason why I'm here is deforestation of Siberia, uh, Siberian fires, and uh, many, many environmental problems which exist in my region. My people and mostly all indigenous groups in Russia are small-numbered and they live in very, very remote areas. And because of climate change, they need to migrate, they need to change their activity. And if we don't act right now, if we don't scream about problem, we will not uh, exist in 10 years. If uh, rivers are not there, if wetlands are not there, my people are also not there. For me, it it means just my home. It's. Uh, it's very, like, it's very mine. It's my community, it's my relatives. I cannot just leave it. I
1: would say that there is no negotiation about climate. Infelizmente, we don't have another place with conditions to live. It seems that we can destroy the world, the planet Earth, and we can live in another place. Então, o que eu gostaria de chamar a atenção, a fazer chegar uma mensagem aos líderes mundiais, é que consideremos que esta terra recebemos por empréstimo dos nossos avós e temos que passá-lo nas condições melhores ainda aos nossos filhos e netos. Então, é uma responsabilidade.
8: The impacts of climate change. I mean, we live by it day by day. Our lands get washed away day by day, every high tide, every monsoon season we lose land. And you know our islands are getting smaller and smaller and smaller until we have to leave some of our sandbanks. you know the birds that go past, they can't rest there anymore. and um, some of the species back home are our totems, you know which um, gives us direction in life, and it's very close and personal to us. For me it's about protecting my island and like it's bigger than anything else. It's something that's it's a personal battle for me, it's a personal journey, it's my connection to my land and my sea and also for uh, my family and to making sure that my grandchildren and their children still remain on our lands and keep practicing our cultures and traditions on land and to make sure that we don't have to move away and leave. My ancestors buried back on the islands if they are to sink because of the rising sea levels. My grandfather told me and he always uses this quote, he always says, The elders have told him, Nitamunya dainga, Mamo Yawai karue. And about the sea they said, Inomal Nitamunya dainga, Mamo Yawai karue.
9: Uh, sometimes you can be locked up in your own world, believing that you are alone in this struggle. Audre Lorde said, and I quote, we don't live single-issue lives. We live multiple intersecting lives, and that's the beauty about it.
3: At the end of the day, if we're just going to continue working in our silos and not really recognizing the intersectionality with environmental justice, climate justice, gender, human rights, like disability rights, like, Everything is so, so integrated that it's impossible to achieve any of these missions on our own. We are
1: here on a charm campaign. We're gathering young people from around the world. We must make our voices heard.
6: So the, 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 you see, we see that we, there, there was a population uh, among the youth. But, but at the same time, that youngsters led by Greta, a 6 years old school girl, has ignited the fire within the uh, young stars and that is a hope for the future so it is i think this is uh, i think uh, good the inspiration to people and it is hopes created among we elders especially we activities having a dream of uh, a planet without destruction a planet without disaster a planet without inequality
8: So for the young people around the world, I want to say that um, you're not alone out there. We are all fighting the same fight
9: that you are fighting as well. I was able to journey out and really see, to really find my true self. We all are beacons of hope and we all have that urge of activism to stop such injustice in every place we go to. It's about human rights for everyone and not just for, some, not just for some group of people. We are not cherry-picking which human rights we're going to talk about and who are we going to put at the front line. Honey, when climate change is striking right now, it's affecting everyone, all groups of people, all kinds of human beings and species on this planet. And so it's really about being real.
2: It's just about love. It's everything about love.
1: (laughs) Questions are very powerful. If you want to be heard, you tell a story. People like listening to stories. If you want to touch the heart, sing a song. If you want to start a revolution,
6: ask a question.
5: every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Ayan.
3: So last on the program today on Refugee Radio, we're going to listen to a short recording about which countries already have climate change refugees. And of course, this is really uh, important for our First Nations people especially the people right now in Torres Strait, who have the likelihood of being displaced in the near future. So we'll have a listen.
5: This is a story about people who stand to lose everything. People who may need to flee their native home and never come back. These people are refugees, but they're not running from war or an oppressive government. They're seeking asylum from climate change.
1: My project is called Warm Waters and it's about people living in the front line of the climate change.
5: That's Vlad Sokin. His project aims to document the effects of climate change on nations bordering the Pacific Ocean. So far, Vlad has focused on some of the most affected, the island nations of Oceania.
1: I have seen villages completely destroyed by strong winds and huge storm surges. People have lost their lives and communities have been displaced from places where their families have lived for generations.
5: Tuvalu, the fourth smallest nation on earth, is struggling to cope with the consequences of climate change. Located about halfway between Australia and Hawaii, Tuvalu's nine low-lying islands cover just 26 square kilometers with a population of just under 11,000. Here, rising sea levels and increasingly violent storms have already decimated the Tuvaluans' way of life.
1: Due to the limited space, people use the airport runaway to exercise, play games and even sleep when it's too hot to stay in the house. Rising sea levels are shrinking this already tiny atoll and during king tides, even the runaway is subject to flooding. It is predicted by the climate change scientists that this country might become uninhabitable in the future.
5: Land loss isn't the only problem facing oceanic nations like Tuvalu. The rising sea levels are cutting off access to surface water. Right now, around three million people in the region are affected. And the overall situation is so dire that around a fifth of Tuvalu's population has already left to seek refuge on larger islands. These people may be the world's first climate change refugees, but Vlad predicts there will be many more.
1: From Pacific all the way to northern Alaska, many communities have already moved to new locations and now they're preparing to relocate.
5: Relocating may be the only option for climate change refugees, but some have already found that adjusting to life in their adopted home could prove to be difficult.
1: The island nation of Kiribati, for example, is facing the threat of rising sea levels. The government bought some land in Fiji recently, where its resident will be relocated in the event sea levels rise to the point that it drowns this Pacific island nation. However, if they move to Fiji, I-Kiribati people will have no rights as the same as Fijian citizens. They won't be able to vote, they will always be seen as immigrants... ...and they are at high risk of losing their national identity.
5: It is easy to dismiss the consequences of rising sea levels... ...to believe that it's a problem limited to these small and distant island nations. But sea level projections show that in just under a century... ...414 US cities will be facing the same problems as Tuvalu and Kiribati... ...to say nothing of the rest of the world.
1: Some climate scientists predict that by the end of the century, places like Miami, Amsterdam, Hamburg, or Lisbon could be affected by rising sea levels, too. If this becomes a reality, it won't only impact these areas environmentally, but culturally and politically as well. The struggle for resources, land, food, and freshwater may cause local and global conflicts. It's clear that is the greatest issue that we will be facing soon.
5: Nuclear weapon testing is another issue causing global conflict and environmental damage. Click now to watch this video on the worst nuclear testing you've never heard of. The story of Bikini Atoll is not a proud one for the US. Local residents there were shuffled inexpertly around nearby islands before the testing, and many were still exposed to dangerous levels of radiation. Thanks for watching, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button.
3: Thanks for listening to Refugee Radio for this week. We will be back next week with some more updates. And keep listening to 3CR.